All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in our Valentine's Day series on relationships. We have, of course, our own Dr. Rosina Bakari. And um, as always, it's a pleasure to get your insight. So um, you got pen and paper or um, something that you're going to be recording what's happening uh, today, because our discussion today is the three C's in the evolution of love in long-term relationships. So that's a mouthful. Let me say that again. Today's episode is the three C's in the evolution of love in long-term relationships. So if you've been following us in this series, which I hope you have, and if you haven't, then um, they're still posted. So you can go back and you can look at that. But the first two episodes, we really focused on people getting into what Dr. Rosina Bakari focused on, because she's the expert, focused on people getting into relationships, just starting relationships, you know, you're feeling each other out, you know, seeing, you know, where this could possibly go or not. This particular episode now, Dr. Bakari is focusing on long-term relationships. So Dr. Bakari, I'm not going to take up a whole bunch of time. I just want you to be able to just right away get into the meat of it. So you said three C's. What are the three C's? Well, first of all, hello, Dr. Stephanie Singleton, who always forgets to introduce yourself. So let me say hello and welcome you as well. Uh, I always appreciate this chat with you. The three C's that we're talking about in the evolution of love and long-term relationships are companionship, children, and career. And the value of, of this conversation is that we talk a lot about what relationships should look like when you get into them, expectations, but we don't have probably enough conversations early on about what long-term relationships may look like. I had mentioned earlier in our discussion that oftentimes when I'm talking to people who are not yet attached, and we talk about their desires and hopes for companionship. The things that they say are very different from what my ex what my experiences are in a 31-year marriage. So I'm always tickled by what seems to be the sort of Pollyanna-ish uh, expectations or myths about what long-term relationships require. So that's why we I wanted to take some time today to talk about these three C's because love is an evolution. The way things look in the beginning or when you're unattached or you've never been attached are not what they will look like in long-term relationships. And so this is an important conversation. Well, yes, it is. So out of these three C's, okay, you said companionship, children, and career. So out of those three, where do you want to start? Well, let's start talking about companionship, because, of course, that's what people are looking for when they think about coupling. People want companionship. They want to they want to know that there is someone who is committed to their emotional wellness, some and bringing some happiness and joy into their lives. That's a reasonable expectation. The thing is that it changes over time. 
So if we get stuck on a particular idea of companionship, we will lose, we will become stunted in this evolution. We must find relationship bliss by shifting into the realities of love and being willing to let go of our love fantasies long-term. So we may enter relationship in a love fantasy and it's so good, we feel so good, all that stuff happens. But over time, what companionship looks like shifts. It shifts sometimes frequently, sometimes it shifts fast. And so particularly as we talk about those other two Cs, we're gonna get more examples of how companionship shifts. Mm. Yeah, and even I think even as you get older, even if those other two Cs don't come into play, your idea and expectation of companionship shifts. Absolutely. Is that correct? That would be correct. Absolutely. Companionship is often tied, even aside from these other C's that we're going to address, it's often tied to family. Well, as you evolve, guess what? I've seen a lot of families deteriorate when one person passes away. It can shift the whole dynamics in the, in the rest of the family members or what happens between those family members. So that's one example. Of course, um, uh, what other ha things happen in your life in terms of your health, in terms of your finances, there are so many things can, that can shift. And then there's the natural process of aging. Well, maybe you used to like to play basketball or party on a dance floor. You're probably not going to be spending time doing those things as much when you reach your 50s and 60s. So no matter what that companionship looks like in the beginning, it will evolve over time. And we have to be prepare our minds while understanding or our thinking to allow it to shift into the reality of who these two people become and let go of the fantasies of love that so many of us start with. So even though the... Um... Even though the compan the nature of the companionship and how much time people are spending together changes, is not necessarily that the love in the relationship changes, is it? No, companionship and love are not the same thing. It's uh, you can find companionship in a lot of ways, right? You can find it in the animal. You can find it in other friendships. You so you can find companionship. And then you can find love. And then we we love people that we don't have an opportunity to have companionship with, right? I mean, hey, I have the biggest girl crush on Beyonce, but she does not even know I exist, right? So, so we can so we can have targets of love without having companionship. So they're not the same thing. And that's a real important thing for us to understand in the evolution of love. Our love may grow deeper and deeper, but our how we define companionship may be constantly defined. Whether I what, what access I have to this person in terms of time will shift. And how we spend that time will shift. What we call quality time 
when we are together the first five years may look very different than what we consider quality time in year 15. So we have to allow those, those shifts to occur seamlessly by shifting our expectations of one another. Hmm. You know, I remember um, when I was younger, you know, that a good companion meant we lived together, right? Right. But as I've gotten older, I really more appreciate, okay, you keep your place over you keep your place over there and I'll keep my place over there. But that, that, but that companionship is just as strong and stronger in a lot of cases than when I was living with someone. So it looks different when I think about my grandparents, you know, there was one point where there was the one bed in their bedroom, right? There was one bed. And then as time went on, it was two beds. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. People's needs change. Right. And it doesn't mean that their feelings or their affinity toward one another change, but people's need change and how that plays out in companionship often shifts and we get to evolve with it. So I spend a lot of time, way more time from away from my husband now than I ever did or ever would have thought or dreamed about doing uh, our first 10 years of marriage, right? But things change, careers change, children change, ideologies change. So things, things come, things will are constantly coming into your marriage that will require you to shift. So we have to be, have, we have to have a growth mindset in our marriage, not just our careers. So speaking of children, you mentioned children. Okay, how now do, this is the second of the three C's, you guys. Um, how now do children impact companionship? Yes, so children are often thought of as these wonderful bundles of joy, especially when people want to express their love and they're thinking about, first of all, it's just fun making a baby, come on, right? But, and so that that ideology comes with a lot of hopefulness and a lot of fantasies about what life is gonna be like when this child joins this union. Well, a lot can happen that is not consistent with the fantasies that we have when we think about children. We never imagine having children that are less than perfect. Yet, it doesn't take a whole lot to look around and see there are a whole lot of children who are less than perfect. One of them could be ours. So we have to figure out or we have to be flexible in terms of how we continue to express love in the way that doesn't in a way that that allows us to continue to connect instead of focusing on the conflict that children can bring. Children bring can bring a lot of conflict into relationships. And nobody says, ooh, I don't want to, I don't want children. Like nobody's, we don't say that, right? And we don't mean that. I mean, that, there's the exceptions, but that's not what we're talking about. But what is true is that. Children are a lot of care and a lot of responsibility, especially in 
the complexities of the world today. I am so grateful that when I had children, we did not have the internet like we do today. Because there's so many people that you're constantly sharing your child with, so many different ideologies that are coming into your child. Whereas when I was, when our children were younger, it was, we were, we knew what the influence was. And when I was younger, even before that, there was nobody influencing me except the, the non-people within these walls. That's who I spent all my time with. I didn't get any other influences except when I went to church. And then that was just repeating what I had at home. So parenting was a lot easier than it is now. There was a lot less stress on that relationship between parents than it is now. Now, whoo. Children yeah. come with a lot of responsibility in a relationship in terms of guidance, in terms of discipline, what you want your child to be. There's so much pressure now, particularly for career people about uh, at, you know, at the swim meets or at the basketball games or whatever. Now it's like, what do you mean your child is in middle school when you don't know what they're supposed to be yet? They don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, uh, some other type of specialist. So there's so much pressure on between parents and children that it inherently affects companionship between the two lovebirds who are now trying to figure out how to minimize conflict in their schedules, how to get 10 minutes time with each other, how to figure out date night or whatever it is. So children needs change, of course, from the time that they are born to the time that they become adults. And then of course, beyond. So knowing how to shift in those in the evolution of a child or the development of a child, knowing how to shift will help us evolve as companions. Even as children reach independent age, they're around somewhere around the last year or two of high school. What I've witnessed a lot is that if someone, typically the mother, has been a primary caregiver of those children and has been out of the workforce, all of her energy has been directed toward taking care of her children. And she's about to be fired from the most important job of her life, attending to these children. It is a huge void. And so sometimes what happens is that uh, the person will begin looking to fill that void. Where will they look to? The next person in their home. So for example, it may be that all this adjustment has been made where the breadwinner, let's say, is hardly ever home for dinner or goes out on weekends to relax after work. That may have been okay when that caregiver was occupied. But now that that caregiver has been fired from the most important job she's ever had, she's trying to now focus on how to fill that Suddenly, for example, it's not okay that um, the companion is not home for dinner at a certain hour. It's not okay that the companion wants to go out on a weekend by themselves. Again, it shifts over a long time. It's not about what's right or what's wrong. It's about our ability to lean into the realities of the relationship in a way that result in connection and not conflict. 
We have to be cognizant and aware of how our relationship is changing and respectful of those natural tendencies without blaming it on another person. Mm. You know, I, I, you know, I love what you had said um, earlier, previous conversation that um, expectations can either create conflict or connection. Right. Right. So when we see these, these things come up as they're shifting, if we don't make room for them, they invariably will present conflict in a relationship. What could happen instead is that we are honest in our communication with one another. We are honest with ourselves and that we are willing to take some responsibility for what is happening to our own level of satisfaction and dissatisfaction according to the situation rather than looking for someone else to fix something for us. So there's an opportunity for connection. The ability to say, hey, hun, I'm really feeling a certain kind of way as these children get older. Like I'm wondering already, like what's happening? What am I going to do with my time? And, and having real authentic conversations about that versus, well, I hope you're not going out again on Saturday night because you're <laughs> uncomfortable with what's happening and you haven't, you haven't reached out or leaned into that vulnerability to make a connection because maybe you haven't been connecting for the last 15 years, but that's because your connections have been geared toward your children instead of your companion. So you have to be willing to lean in and allow these shifts to happen. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, if you, if this is your first introduction to Dr. Bakari, I would really encourage you to go back one video um, in this series, which was called the five expectations that keep you single or unhappy. Okay. Because that that kind that's kind of um that's kind of the beginning of this deeper conversation here around expectations so i would encourage you again to really look at that video and then come back to this one so um the third one of the three C's is career. Tell us now about, because some people uh, just have the companionship in the career, they don't have the children or that some people, some, some couples have all three. So the, the impact of career. So career. So if you don't have children, it makes career easier, <laughs> um, uh, more than likely. Uh, and even if you don't have and even if you don't have children of your own, many people have surrogate children. Right. And so just because you don't have children that you gave birth to doesn't mean that you don't have little ones in your life that you feel deeply emotionally connected to and responsible for. So uh, so I do want to acknowledge that. Uh, but career. Is important because it too changes over time. And sometimes we feel very fortunate to have someone who is highly motivated in their career. And we, we can rest assured that we're never gonna worry financially 
because we have two careers or whatever that may look like. But over time, careers change. Over time, the career that you go into this relationship with at age 30 is not going to be where you are in this career at age 60, not for most people. But it's really difficult to think about careers long-term and how that will impact you. But it's important to understand that career highly impacts you. Do both people, for example, have professional careers? What do those, how do those professional careers impact each other? I will give you an example. In my my marriage, my husband and I both have PhDs in education or related to education. That sounds perfect, but it's not because his PhD is in higher education administration. My PhD is in educational psychology. So that means he's on the administration side of education. I'm on the academic side of education. Well, guess what? One of the things that happens in education on the administration side is that people often have to leave their jobs for advancement. Which is what which is what has been the case with my husband in academia on the academic side, people advance by staying right where they are to get tenure. So in our marriage, that's always been a spot of contention. And so I have shifted a lot. We've gone with his career where we have moved a lot to follow his career it has kept me stagnant in my career as a professor. It meant I knew that meant never getting tenure. And so I never have gotten tenure. I never will get tenure. So that meant I had to shift the way I saw myself in my career, become an entrepreneur, write books, do other things, because I was never going to peak in my in that particular career. So I had to shift careers over time. So you have to be sensitive sensitive to those things. Now, had I been unwilling to shift, that would have been a real problem. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that it would have been any resolution uh, to that. I was fortunate. I had the children. So there was a different focus. Giving up my career allowed me to be a stay-at-home mother for a long period of time and do some other things career-wise that was really fulfilling for me. So those things really intertwine, children, companionship, and career. They They intertwine for most couples in some ways. The dynamics between the three is serious consideration that we don't talk about enough until we're in the situation and it's created conflict instead of connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, you know, that word shift, you know, and being willing to shift and along with these expectations, like really kind of managing expectations. Cause like what you just, the example you just gave with you and your husband's career. I mean, that's profound. And we talked a little bit earlier um, before the show about, you know, just how when we go into these marriage vows, you know, and it's for sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, and we hear that, but do we really hear that? Do we really ever think it was just like what you were talking about with the birth of a child, right? right. We, you know, we just, we're going to have this perfect bundle of joy. 
we don't even entertain the thought. And I mean, I get it, right? But the, the, the possibility is that there may be something. And the same thing when, you know, when we take these vows, you know, yeah, the person may, I, you know, we may enjoy good health for the whole, you know, for our whole life, right? But maybe not. And if one partner gets set, right? Then all the expectation, everything, you have to be willing to shift the expectations change. Can you talk about that for a little bit here? Right. So shifting, it's all about the shift. It's all about the shift. It's all about, again, letting go of your fantasy of love and shifting into the reality and being clear with yourself that yeah, I wanted something different and being able to acknowledge, I thought it would be different, but it's not different. And the fact that, but it, but it is, it, I, um, it, it's not the same. The fact that it, that it is different. First, you have to tell yourself it's okay. It's okay. That is different. Different does not mean bad. Different does not mean falling out of love. Different does not mean this can't work right? If we just say it's different and put a period on it and not continue the sentence, therefore it's bad, just start with it's different. Now what? Right? Not it's different. So it's bad. It's different. Now what? What does it mean that this is not going to look like we thought it would look? Then you have a connection but once you say it's different and point the finger, then you have conflict when you start wanting to chastise someone because it's different or pull away because it's different. Now you got conflict instead of connection. So you have to start with the willingness to connect at the differences, not create conflict because of the differences. Mm. I just have one quick question and I'm being nosy because I know, I know all the years of experience that you have with, you know, counseling couples and, you know, relationship therapy and everything. And I'm just, just, just me being nosy. Okay. <laughs> I want to know what, and, and, and all the years of your experience and expertise, what is like, like the number one fantasy people have? relationship fantasy people have about how they I, I think I think there's a fantasy that love makes you happy and so if you are not happy and you are in and you are in love or you see yourself in love or in a loving relationship then it must be something wrong with the love as opposed to it must be something wrong with you. <laughs> I think that's the fantasy. If I'm unhappy and I'm in a love relationship, then something must be wrong with the love. That's what I think the fantasy is, that love makes me happy. And if I'm not happy, then the love must be wrong. It's that simple. As opposed to understanding that you have a responsibility to find some joy and love for yourself, whatever those circumstances are, and bring that into the relationship. Because you can, you can be in a loving relationship and not be happy. And that not being happy have little to do with the relationship. 
just because you are in a relationship and you are unhappy does not mean something's wrong with the relationship or something's wrong with the person. In fact, I would argue that if you are in a relationship and are unhappy, start the search for happiness within yourself, not by trying to change the relationship. Mm. Now, just to be clear, everybody, so everybody is that you are not talking about like staying in, you know, like if somebody's in an abusive relationship, we're not talking about that, folks. No. We're not talking about that. No, it's because it's interesting. You know, I was watching something the other day and this woman was talking about how she just felt so shut down. Right. And uh, and her her spouse was saying to her, you know, can you feel how much I really love you? And she could not. She couldn't feel that. Right. And so what you're saying, like using that as an example, is that it's not necessarily her spouse. That's some work that. She, that's something she has to look at. Right. Try work. I say start there. It's interesting. I, I don't do couples, couples counseling, at least not in a tra- traditional way. If someone is seeing me because they're having difficulty in their relationships, I say, good, you see me and they see me. And when I know that you address some of your stuff and I know that they've addressed some of your, uh, some of their stuff, then we can come together and talk. Both people have stuff to work on individually, heal thyself first. Because two healthy people have a much better chance, much better chance of finding relationship bliss. Much better chance. But if you got people who are unhealthy, trying to, and which is often what you get, two people are unhealthy who are trying to create relationship bliss. And I don't mean unhealthy in a oh, you're a horrible person kind of way. I mean, unhealthy in that you have some some issues that you have not yet addressed within yourself that influence your level of internal comfortability and that you have this belief that being in a relationship with someone else is supposed to resolve you uh, of that issue. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Is there anything else you would like to say? Any last words for the people out there? You know, because this is, you know, these are some really serious topics, you know, and you really dropped a whole lot of nuggets and science as usual. So any last words? Uh, Just to keep faith in love, but understand that love comes from within. You don't, you, that we share love. We don't find it. We share it. So Mm -hmm. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. That's a lot right there to sit with. (laughs) How can people get in touch with you, Dr. Bakari? My website is the best way, rosinabakari.com, R-O-S-E-N-N-A-B-A-K-A-R-I.com, rosinabakari.com. Uh, you can find my information there. You can also email me at Dr. B, D-R period B at rosinabakari.com. So, and you can also find me on uh, Facebook or Instagram or um, LinkedIn, Rosina Bakari. So 
Or if you Google me, you'll get a hundred pages of rosinabakari.com or of Rosinabakari.com. I don't know why. I don't know <laughs> why. Hey, this is a good thing. We're not wondering why we don't care. I, this is a good thing. <laughs> right. More information than you need. More information than you need. But uh, but yeah, and also uh I do have do offer free 30-minute consultations. Uh, and you can find the link for that on my website. So I look forward to. Uh, connecting with people. That's a deal, people. I would definitely take advantage of a 30 minute, 30 minute. Most people just give me 15. Well, That's no, true. Let, me, let me back up. Most people ain't even going to give you no <laughs> free consultation. You come, you pay and whether you like it or not, you know what I'm saying? Whether you can connect or not, it's like, Hey, this is what it is. You pay the whole price and boom. Okay. But this, and the people do usually give you a consultation, it's usually 15 minutes. Okay, yeah. I'm telling y'all from experience. <laughs> all around the web, I don't care what somebody is doing, it's usually 15 minutes. To get a half hour free consultation, that's a deal. You're not going to get that anywhere, and especially you know with somebody of the caliber of Dr. Bakari. So that's awesome. That That's just totally awesome. <laughs> so, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. You know, please put some comments and um, share, share, share this video. We will be back with one more video in our series, our Valentine's Day um, relationship series. So make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Dr. Rosina Bakari's all her social media, just like she said, just Google her. It'll all come up. Make sure you check that out. And you're doing a relationship series right now, aren't you? I am. I am. And there's information about that on the website as well. Yep. All right. All right. So we will see you next time. See you, everybody. Thank you mm -hmm. for joining and happy Valentine's Day.